0: welcome back to comfort breeze and place to see this is episode five today we have a uh, professional big mountain free skier johnny collinson so thanks for joining me man yeah thanks for having me yeah i've been a uh, big fan watching your ski films and everything for years and years my buddies used to always go i'm from calgary here so when they're playing at like Freshville and stuff we go and get super hyped and watch them and go and just try some crazy shit skiing and you know, it was always <laughs> awesome having inspiration like that but uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, come talk with me, and yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm psyched. <laughs> um, I just kind of wanted to start with uh, maybe if you can give people just like a quick run through of like from where you grew up to kind of where you are now.
1: Yeah, totally. So, yep, I'm Johnny Collinson. Um, I live here in Salt Lake City, Utah, where I've been. I spent my whole life. I grew up up at Snowbird Ski Resort where my dad was, worked for the ski patrol. So it was just kind of natural that my sister Angel and I started skiing from a young age. And just so we always skied and I really got interested in skiing for a living or like, I kind of figured I'd be more of a ski bum, honestly. But around the time I was graduating high school, so 17, 18. And at that time, I'd just finished climbing the seven summits. So it was the highest peak on each continent, um, which was a pretty awesome year of my life. And then, and it really is what set me up to kind of go down the the outdoor industry path, really, because after that, I, I knew I wanted to ski and not walk down mountains. And... So then I, I started competing and I, I started gathering sponsors that, you know, slowly snowballed, like paying entry fees into contests and then into films. And then that led me down till today where it's like 15 years later and I'm still going somehow. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that was one thing I
0: wanted to touch on was your seven summits. Cause at the time you were the youngest person to do it, right? Like 17,
1: you finish. Yeah, totally. So at the time I was the youngest. Nice man.
0: How, I was kind of wondering how does, like, how do, cause I know those are like, like Everest for one, like all these huge peaks and each one on their own is like a separate exit expedition that takes like money, logistics, everything like that. How did that kind of like come about, especially at such a young age, like, I know with some of the things I'm doing now, even, like, not as big as that, but they take so much, like, logistics and planning and time and money. And, like, how did you get maybe the backing from that? Or, like, how did you fund that at such a young age and all that? Yeah, so
1: it was all my parents. I mean, like, I, the the vision and the, like, excitement came from me and my dad. But all the funding was my parents, which they – um like took a line of credit out on a property they owned like the only house they owned it was a rental and we lived up in the employee housing up at snowbird so my parents like basically mortgaged their house to send me around the world on this expedition just kind of like on the on the the basis of that like experience is the best education kind of thing um and so it was a yeah. Just like big hats off to my parents. Like I'll be indebted to them my whole life and continually they just always are super kind and helping me out. But, uh, that was pretty unreal. I don't know many parents that would do that for their kids. Yeah, for sure. That's pretty wild. Did you have a favorite uh, peak out of those ones? I don't know. They're all so different. And that's what I think makes them super unique where, you know, it's, The Seven Summits is definitely not a, like, technically challenging mountaineering feat comparatively to, like, if you wanted to put up new lines in the Himalaya or some of the things that, like, professional alpinists and mountaineers chase. It's a much, like, tamer goal. But the cool thing is, is, like, yeah, your Antarctica is pretty wild because there's no smells, there's no... There's sunlight 24-7, so it's, like, its own experience. And then Karsten's Pyramid, you're, like, in the jungles of New Guinea and, you know, fighting through spider webs and banging through the muck for two weeks. So it's just, like, they're all crazy different, which is pretty special.
0: Yeah, that's pretty sweet, seeing, like, the variety of everything. And each one must have been fun to kind of plan, and that must be a sweet process.
1: Yeah, totally. And I would say... I mean, Everest was really cool and because the main goal all stemmed from Everest because I'd always wanted to climb Everest. And then I linked up with this guy who worked for the ski patrol, Willie Benegas, who was also like a North Face alpinist. So he was guiding trips on Everest every year. And I just started climbing and running with him around Salt Lake here. And that's how the the idea kind of came up was... We were just kind of shooting the shit, and he was he was like, "Wow, you're pretty good in the mountains." And I was like, "Yeah, could I do Everest?" And then he was like, "Yeah, you could." So we, that's where the idea sort of came from.
0: Right on, man. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I've only I haven't done too much like mountaineering or stuff like that. I did uh, like a cycling trip this past February, and in the middle of it, did Pico de Orizaba in Mexico. Oh, that so cool. that's kind of the biggest one I've did, but it was like it was super. Just got my feet wet and like definitely want to do more of that in the future it's just like so rewarding and yeah it's definitely a cool thing to do for sure (laughs) yeah it's nice um with uh talking about like angel and stuff you're both like professional athletes um did did you guys like growing up was it a lot of like pushing each other to try new things and to like compete with each other and like did your work ethic kind of stem from each other from your like your dad you said or where did you guys get kind of that Drive for professional athletes and both of you at such a high level and like with some of the same sponsors and everything.
1: Right. Um it's funny because I would I would remember it like as kids being pretty casual. Like we were never competitive with each other, or it was never kind of like headbutting of who could be number one. It was almost stemmed more from like I watched my sister succeed in ski racing and it was like wow that seems so cool she's like chasing this goal and doing well and then i saw everyone you know was super supportive of her because she did well so i was like well i want to be like that and then i think on the flip side in the summers we'd spend all of our time as a family like living out of a van climbing and hiking and i had this ever since i was little it was like i could go pretty fast and hard, cl- like hiking and climbing. And I think my sister saw that and was like, wow, John's like so good at walking uphill. Like, I wish I could be like that. So I think unknowingly we sort of raised a bar for each other here and there. And then <clears throat> it's just such an incredible community here in Salt Lake and in Little Cottonwood. We're just surrounded by like amazing mountain athletes. That aren't even, they're not like professional athletes, but they're just good at what they do and good at skiing, at climbing, etc. And so spending time with those kind of mountain people, it just elevated the game a little bit.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know like one of my uh, like friend's girlfriends, she grew up in Whistler and uh, I think she went to school with like Sean Pettit and stuff. And (laughs) she was saying literally like half of the high school is sponsored in like cycling or climbing or biking or skiing or like something. So. I, that's pretty cool to see, like, I guess iron sharpens iron. You are who you surround yourself with and stuff. That's, yeah. that's pretty sweet to see, like, the yeah. community. And-
1: it was pretty fun. So my sister did. She retired from skiing this past year. But before that, we did, we shared, like, all the same sponsors and got to film with TGR. And so it was a pretty unique, like, bunch of years for a ski career getting to travel with my sister where it was, like, Design meetings with North Face, or film premieres with TGR, or like actual filming in Alaska. We got to do so much cool stuff as siblings. Like professionally, it was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, it must be a super cool to have those experiences to share forever. Um, kind of with your sponsors. I you know you're sponsored by like the biggest ones in the game, Red Bull, and guys like that. Where did that kind of how did because I know that's kind of with me. I have some smaller sponsors now, but trying to like take that next step with the things that I do, how did you kind of get in the eyes of these uh like bigger sponsors? Was it more you reaching out to them or did they come to you? And like what age did that kind of come about? Um, Good question.
1: So I would say it's been a mix of like people reaching out to me and me reaching out to them. And I also have been pretty lucky like, Smith, they started just flowing me stuff when I was 15 and then I'm still with them today. So that's been like a 15 year relationship. That's just grown every year. And same with North face. I right after the seven summits, I kind of got my foot in the door because the guy I was climbing with uh, was an athlete for them. So I got like the contact of the athlete manager and it was just sort of a slow kind of natural growth where I started doing well competing and they started to give me more stuff. And then as I grew as a skier, they just grew their support. Um And so that's been another, it's like 13 years with North Face or so. And then Red Bull was one where it was like, I was pretty hungry to get on board with Red Bull. So I was pestering them pretty hard for years. And then after a while, like I backed off, I was like, all right, I might not be like, red bull caliber you know and and then my sister actually they like reached out to my sister and that same year we both competed at the red bull cold rush the last one they had up in revelstoke she won i got second for the men um and so it was just it worked out pretty well that we both got signed after that i think it was like the final nail in the coffin kind of like podium at Cold Rush, and then it was good to go.
0: Yeah, I remember watching those Cold Rush competitions, and just, like, the split between the, like, Cliff Day, or the, like, the technical days and stuff. It was just crazy to see some of the size of the things you guys are sending, and that's super cool. Was, uh, so I guess as an athlete, uh, like the skier you are, it's a kind of a mix, or was more, like, competing and, filming with like Teen Gravity, Um which did you kind of prefer more out of those? Like was, did the, did the filming come after you started gaining traction
1: with the competing and stuff or yeah. how'd you get on with them? And yeah, so that was like, that was kind of a funny transition. It was, I was competing um, and I was much more, focused on skiing like Ian McIntosh, kind of, or like Hugo Harrison or something. It was like straight and fast. And and then the, the competition circuit introduced this like air and style element. And so that's when they started like rewarding tricks and stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, I need to start doing tricks and totally shifted my style to try and do more tricks. And... And it honestly didn't work out that well for me in competition. It was like, I do these cool runs, but I could never land any of them. So my sponsors, um, I was with Black Diamond for skis at the time and then North Face, and they were like, hey, we're supporting this film Sherpa Cinema's making. Do you want to start shooting with them? Because I think they just saw, they're like, all right, he has... Like the potential but it's just not coming together in competition and they actually helped me move over to film which I was super psyched on and kind of never looked back it was the filming it just really gives you the opportunity to like be a bit more creative and you can be pickier with the snow conditions on what you want to ski instead of like these stringent rules but at the same time it was like the years of competition were pretty rewarding because it is like forced progression almost. It's like you're there to win or there to do as best as you can. And so you see what the other guys throw down and you're like, all right, I guess I got to like one up that. And so it like, it forces you to progress and progress, which is cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. Was a lot of your, like when you did find out, Oh, I got to start like doing more tricks and stuff. Was that a lot of park work or were you doing that off? Like, booters in the backcountry. like how are you kind of trying to progress those tricks and try new things
1: it was it's funny because like at the time it was pretty simple tricks really um and so i was yeah i was watching like pettit segments and like i just want to do like big floaty threes and and backflips and stuff like that um so it was pretty simple but i did start spending some time on like trampolines and at the water park we have here in utah Um, but then it it just kind of cut short and then I just started tricking stuff like at the ski resort and, and building some jumps, but I never really put in the legwork I wanted to on the whole trick side. It was like, I, I got a few okay tricks and I kind of used those through my career and I never took the next step, like really learning and dialing in like a deep bag of tricks, which still kind of haunts me to this day to be honest it's like feels like there's more on the table in the the Aaron style category
0: yeah well i know like personally i would always get stoked on seeing like the the backcountry guys going down like the huge lines and throwing these like massive back he's like the seth morrison ones or just stuff like that just like the supernatural stuff because you see guys like um like if bobby brown kind of came from park background and he'd do like a a backcountry booter se- session he's throwing these like wild tricks but it's more just like in that specific uh like you're saying it up for that session whereas like i always really respect it and it did to me it was just the coolest stuff to see you guys hitting like non-touch like first tracks these like sweet just flowy tricks off these like huge lines and stuff. That was always my favorite to see. So right. that was kind of the style I tried to ride. Oh, sick. That was, yeah. like, it was cool to see. That's, I mean, that is my
1: favorite for sure. Just like natural features, I think is pretty cool. And like, that's another thing that's unique about filming is like, you can kind of look for features that match your style and the trick you want to do. Um and so, yeah, that's where it was like the progression almost stopped because it was, we were just hitting stuff natural all the time. And I never, I rarely would take the time to like build a jump and do a whole setup, like you're saying, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that
0: makes sense. Who's kind of like being around all these guys and uh, like a cold rush or film and who's kind of like one of the cooler, more fun
1: person to ride
0: with? Um,
1: I'd say we have like a pretty awesome crew with TGR. So, um, the Canadians are always top tier, honestly. So it's like Ian McIntosh. I've gotten pretty close with him and spent a lot of time with Nick McNutt over the years. Um, Sam smoothies, a super cool cat from New Zealand. But honestly, it's like most people are pretty fun to hang out with. And like, everyone's kind of into the same stuff and like at least ski wise and, and, uh, so everyone can get along for the most part with, at least with the TGR crew. And that's who I've spent the most time with.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's just the culture around it. You can pretty much go anywhere and same mindset, same drive and stuff. That's
1: cool. Right. Totally.
0: Um, did, was there a big, uh, like change or like, what did, what did people think when it got introduced into the Olympics, like uh, park scene and stuff?
1: Did, what did like skiers think of that? Um, if I would say, like, or you personally, it it seemed kind of natural to me, you know, with just with how con like contest skiing is with halfpipe and slope style. it just sort of made sense to me that it would hit the Olympics, and I thought it was pretty exciting, just getting freestyle skiing onto the world stage. I assumed it would only do good things for the sport, um, and 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 like North Face, actually, they made a huge push the first Olympic years, um, which I thought was cool again, too, because traditionally North Face had been like backcountry skiers, climbers, runners, so kind of like pretty grungy, granola-y type crowd. And then, you know, one year we had like Tom Wallish, Nick Martini, Aaron Blunk, Devin Logan, just like this kind of stacked field of Olympian athletes. And so we, I was personally like a bit starstruck. It was like, oh my gosh, like we're hanging out with all these Olympians and like pro park skiers and stuff. So, so that was pretty cool. It kind of began to like, call it like cross pollination, I guess, of like the park scene and the backcountry scene for me, which now it, it feels like there's a lot of it now. Like a lot of park guys like skiing in the backcountry and dudes ski together all the time but so i thought it was cool yeah long story short
0: <laughs> yeah i know i'm um, like speaking of competing and uh you have had a couple injuries right with your knees one came from competition
1: yes yeah
0: how's been the like i've i've dealt with uh not not same level of like acls and stuff but i've had like bad concussion history and i actually just broke my foot this past summer cycling somebody ran me off the road but um like i know coming back from these injuries sucks and like especially when that's what you base your identity around and like it's taken away from you how's like coming back from that like helped you grow or learn or uh, i know you're like big into fitness and like did you like changing what you've had to do to stay fit and stay active and what did what'd you kind of learn from that
1: yeah um yeah so I've definitely had a run just like a quick rundown it was like I blew my first ACL in 2018 and then had like a really strong recovery was out skiing again and then re-tore it in 2019 and then fast forward had a pretty good recovery but then it was like covid happened and then the next year blew up my other knee and that was like patellar tendon acl pcl mcl meniscus kind of just like full doozy and so yeah i've learned a ton like both physically mentally emotionally the whole gambit has gotten run through um And it's hard to, it's like, of course, I wish I never would have got hurt. But at the same time, I have learned, it's changed me so much fundamentally as a person. And I've learned so much that it's like, I honestly wouldn't give it back at this point. Because like you're saying, I was pretty into fitness before, but not like I am now and not as holistically as I am now. Um, So I appreciate that. It was like, it really gave me the opportunity to, opportunity to, just like really dive into fitness and nutrition and all these things that like that I care about a lot as an athlete. And so it it just seemed fitting to kind of give 100 percent into the rehab. And then it it felt like it would treat me better as an athlete on the tail end anyway. Um, and, and other than that, it was the hardest thing to deal with was the identity crisis for sure. Um, and that was mostly due to this most recent injury, because it was like a full, almost full two-year recovery. And it's just like a long time to spend outside of the industry. I wasn't hanging out with any of the crew in the industry. So it felt like I was kind of like gone and forgotten about. And then, um, so I had to just really buckle down and be like, you know, why am I skiing? Like, why do I want to ski again? What's my place? in the industry, in the world, et cetera. And I really had to take, like, a deep look at it. And it had, to, like, my return to skiing had to really be because, like, I want to ski again, um, not because I think I should be or I think people want me to be. It had to be, like, because I really want it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. that It's just such, like, a long road, and especially when you know, like, you've been through it already, you know what's to come and that that must be super tough. How did uh how is coming back and like getting your confidence back and like like how do you how do you build that back especially in like a high contact sport like skiing where you're counting on your knees all the time, right? Like how do you get that confidence back? Does that does that come from all the work being put in in the gym and rehabbing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so for me especially it's like putting all my effort into the gym that I can is pretty key because then it's like, you know, you start at the very beginning and then running through every exercise and every like sort of stress that we could place on the body in the gym setting. So it's like a pretty safe environment, but you're trying to like elevate it as much as you can. And like, and so that, The physical strain of that is like, you know, it's building up the good muscles, helping your, all the stabilizers in your knee. And then it's also mental for me where it's like, I've put in all that work and I know I have, and I know that my knee feels good, you know, jumping, doing box jumps or like split squats, whatever the exercise might be, or like direction changes running. It all just kind of clicks in mentally to like build that confidence and then a huge one too is like being able to go mountain biking and do some other kind of fast-paced sports before skiing helps build the confidence and and then beyond that it's it's really the return to snow is like a big question mark always it feels like it's it's like all right my knee feels really good in the gym on a mountain bike running etc but i never know until i actually go skiing how it's going to feel and i just have to go into that first day like pretty confident and not i try not to worry i try not to stress about like what if this or what if that it's like my only focus can be like all right this is going to be awesome i know how to ski really well and i'm just going to apply those skills like to the mountain and then i you, i go ski and every time i've done it it's like been no issues and and then the confidence just like you're already starting at a good spot and it's just builds and builds and and then it's just taking it easy so like for me right now it's the fine balance of like wanting to send it because I'm so hungry and then I'm like all right I gotta rein it in chill out because I don't want to be couched again so it's like a fine balance. <laughs> so you're you're just getting back on now i think i've seen some clips
0: on your instagram and stuff but you're you're back on skis now Yep. sweet yeah i'm psyched do you have uh like i know you're saying not trying to send it but do you have plans for this year for filming or stuff like that
1: yep so i'll be my main focus is going to be like filming my own youtube series and because there's like a ton of stuff i want to do That's it doesn't really make sense to do a full movie or something else it just feels like it'll be a lot easier to do a youtube series and like a better way to get it out there so it'll be like a little more casual and a bit more objective based so instead of like building jumps and hitting big cliffs looking to do a bit more like ski mountaineering type stuff and try and go ski some like big lines in the wasatch but get it in good conditions and ski it fast is my goal at least um and then we'll see as the winter goes there's a couple potential trips lined up later in the year that could happen but i'm not sure so
0: it sounds like fun going out there yeah i'm
1: stoked with um you were
0: talking about mountain biking and stuff is there any other like uh activities that you've been drawn to especially in, like, recovery and stuff. That was one of the big things I really respect about you is because I know, like, in the ski industry or uh, even, like, I do skydiving now, and it's a lot of the same mentality where it might just be focused on the activity itself, like fitness outside of it or health or, like, eating well, stuff like that isn't, like, a main priority. So to see you, like, super lean and trying to stay healthy and like do these things to bear yourself beyond your sport it's always been inspiring to me um do you like mountain biking other stuff what other kind of
1: activities do you do like living in utah or that you like to do right cool well thanks man i appreciate that um yeah so mountain biking i've like always really liked mountain biking and so I spend a lot of time doing that. And then through injury, I found road cycling. Um, and I was pretty stoked on that as well. Just kind of a different beast and uh, can push yourself in a different way than mountain biking. And, and then this past year, I actually got a gravel bike and started doing a bit of gravel biking, which was super fun. So it was like a, kind of taking a little bit from both it felt like and so that was probably my number one activity this summer was gravel biking and whether that was like on roads or single track whatever it was pretty fun to do because it was like can push yourself pretty hard and i think it helped my bike handling too because every time i'd get on the mountain bike i was like wow this is a lot easier to ride on downhills and stuff um and then so cycling's been huge and then a lot of like trail running and like kind of scrambling. Like I love finding just those ridges that it's like a mix of scrambling and running. Um, and I used to rock climb more. It's been a while, but I used to be big into rock climbing as well.
0: Would you, would you ever try and kind of like link up these different passions, like do a a ski or a bike trip where you have your skis and stuff or like even competing in a different thing like trail running or or gravel or riding or is it more just like for the passion and of doing it and getting out or do you have like the will to compete against others in those things or just kind of mainly focusing on skiing and those on the side it would
1: I mostly do it just for like the fun and the passion of it but I have run some trail races before not competitive at all it was just to be in an event and then same with cycling. I actually did a gravel race this summer Um just to do it. It was like, yeah, I wasn't trying to be competitive at all. But I think moving ahead this next year, I'm looking to do a few gravel races. And maybe now, since I won't be focusing so much on like rehab of the knee, I'd like to like put a little more effort into actually prepping for the race and not to try and win or anything, but just to like push myself and I think that's the beauty of competition is I could be there for the passion but just the fact that there's other people there is going to push me harder than I'll maybe push myself alone Um, and so I think that's pretty cool in events like that where I I don't really have an identity and I can be a nobody out there having fun with everyone else is I think that's pretty fun
0: yeah that's uh sick yeah pushing each other and yeah i know with the competing i've done in the past even just training with other people or or like skiing with other people you always seem to try things a bit harder when you're on with others so yeah totally one thing that i found like really helped me getting into like i got into ultra stuff um after triathlon racing so longer since stuff now but i found uh even going through like the injuries I've been through or stuff like that uh like mental skills really helped me um like visualization I got into journaling and stuff and that's really like made a difference for me do you do anything like that I know like with skiing per se like scouting out lines kind of visualizing what it'd be like but do you do that in other aspects of your life or any of those mental skills not
1: too much honestly um And not, I would say not in a, like, structured way. I think naturally I sort of visualize a lot and and plan and, like, compartmentalize a lot. Um, But I don't have very structured, like, visualization sessions. Um, And as well as journaling, I've, like, tried to journal and I really, like, want to be good at it. But every time I've tried, it's, like... I haven't kept it up or haven't built the habit well enough um so yeah it's it's more I find like the the running and the cycling and like ski touring are all activities that I find like super meditative just like the rhythm of like the cycling it's like it just helps me fall into like a sort of trance and then that's where i'm visualizing the mundane yeah totally and and it's like and then it's like boom i look up and before i know it it's been three hours or whatever and like wow i don't even know what i just thought about but i went on a journey for sure (laughs) oh yeah yeah i find
0: that with uh especially with like running or something uh because my foot's been injured i've been doing a lot more swimming okay because it's like freezing cold or i'm in calgary it's just pool swimming. Uh, so it's a lot like three hours just down like 400 laps. And it's just like, no earphones. You're just like, Holy shit. Just what are you thinking about for that long? But like, I find if you have like uh let's say your trail running, and your, your goal is to just get to the top of the mountain and then you just kind of get lost in getting there. And then that's the goal. And it doesn't feel as much like a, like, like a workout, let's say, or like something that's scheduled or planned. So, I always like that. It feels like it goes way quicker, and you get lost in more. So totally, I'm super hungry to get back out doing that stuff. But yeah, I, I do know what you mean with the like the best prescriptions at prolonged repetition. Yeah, super. What happened to your foot? Um, well, I I did this uh, trek in February from Cabo San Lucas to Cancun, and I hit the lowest spot in the country and the highest spot in the country. So it was like a solo bike track. It was 50 days. And then when I was back home, I lived in Kelowna this past summer in BC there. And then I made it all the way throughout Mexico trip fine. Nothing happened. And I was just doing like a, like a ride around the town one night. And right before, like 100 meters away from my house, uh, some asshole just was like cutting in with their car. And it was in a construction area. So I hit this like rough uh, road in the shoulder. And when I tried to get back up, my tires spun, and I hit my foot, because uh, when I tried to clip out, my foot hit. So I hurt my wrist and my foot and got a Liz Frank fracture in my foot, but it went undiagnosed. They can't really see it on x-rays at the start, um. so I went for like a month just like working on it and everything, and nobody knew, and then I got an MRI, so I'm like, oh, this isn't right, and they saw it. So then I was booted up, and I I got a boot like a month and a bit ago, but... It's just getting back into stuff, but yeah, it's just trying to find what you can do while you're laid up. Right. Right. Definitely try and stay active. And even for my mental, like I, I feel like I need to do stuff every day. Yeah. Even if it's not like huge stuff, but you can always do something. I feel like unless you're really messed up, but yeah.
1: Yeah. That's right. I feel that it was like having the can do was huge and like, Because, yeah, same thing, it would be, like, on the couch, like, well, my leg's not working, but could do a lot of other stuff, and that's what really helped get me through mentally was, like, other outlets.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. One thing I was wondering was, like, let's say you're at the top of the line, and it's, like, some of your nerves about a bit or, like, excited. How do you manage that, like, fear to excitement, kind of, like, making yourself perform under these pressures let's say somebody's like the helicopter's filming you know like okay now it's go time what do you how do you like dial it in and do you use like breathing techniques or just kind of
1: trust your instincts or it's a little bit of everything i think um and for me it's yeah so it's kind of it's like a fine balance for sure of like what's tr- fear versus just nerves And, and if there's, yeah, and if it's something where I'm like, scared to do it, and I'm like weighing the consequences of like, how bad I could get messed up, it's probably not worth it. And I'll probably write it off. But if it's more something where I'm like, damn, like, if I could pull that off, that would be pretty sweet. And it and it feels like a high success rate, then I'll probably do it. And then And, and how I like to look at a line too, is it's like, I'll look for landings, good landings, and then look for the takeoff to match up and then how the line works out. So I kind of work my way bottom up a little bit. And, and so then it's a pretty slow process. Like we spend quite a bit of time looking at lines uh, before we ever go to the top. And especially like the gnarlier, the line, you can spend as long as you want looking at it and planning it and and so for me it's like all right choose the line and then there's usually like a bit of a range of like what you feel is going to be like pushing it in one regard um before you know you're going to go like beyond your limit and i try not to push beyond my limit too much um or i it's been a while since i've like push beyond my limit I feel like but um and then from there it's kind of I use I would say I like compartmentalize a lot and it's just from there it's like all right get to the top and it's like all right I made this decision for x y and z like I know it's in my skill set I hit there's this big or like this trick is totally in my bag whatever it might be and so then it's just fit like really focusing on the minute details and then, and focusing in on those details sort of helps take the edge off a little bit because then I'm breaking it down piece by piece instead of like, all right, this line's 3000 feet. I got to nail it all. It's like, all right, first nail that left footer. Then you got to hit this exit air. And so just breaking it down piece by piece, like helps make it more attainable, I guess, mentally Um, and then from there, it's just sort of like identifying like backup plans or X factors. Like, all right, if there's a slide in this zone, I got to be here. And that helps me out too, is just having like a real solid plan of like, if things do go wrong, I have somewhere to go. That helps me feel a lot more confident as well.
0: Yeah. I know personally, like my Mexico thing per se it's so many days and it's the same kind of thing you're talking about you can't really look at it as a whole it's just such a undertaking or something you have to go kind of day by day or like you're with your line piece by piece so that's that's super good skills for people i think like in even just daily life not trying to look too far ahead just kind of taking it as it comes and it's super important or otherwise you get kind of caught up and everything but yeah those are super good techniques for sure
1: yeah it can just be super overwhelming you know and so it's like all right I have this big like overarching goal and then like gotta take the first step second step work your way through it yeah
0: so it like personally did have you had like big let's say goals in the sport or is it kind of always been for you just like taking it like day by day or year by year just kind of like, how have you, um, because I know with like your seven summits, like that's a big goal and you'll be like motivated by that, but I'm sure you have to be process oriented going from like, okay, I can't worry about the other ones now. I've got to worry about Everest and get that one done, then like move on. Has your career in skiing been like goals you wanted to check off and like got there or is it kind of just been doing what you love and then just
1: everything comes with that? It's been a little bit of both. And I would say like my ski career specifically has been a lot of definitely more on the side of like, I'm doing what I love and seeing where it takes me kind of. And, and now I'm at a point where I'm like, all right, I need, I or I want to like set some goals because I've been, you know, I, I started working with all the brands I really wanted to And so then the next goal is like filming. So then I was like filming with the production companies I wanted to. And then the next goal was like, all right, well, I want to graduate to make it up to Alaska with these companies. And I did that. And then I sort of coasted on that and I didn't have much, like many goals planned after that. And but then I guess I've been sort of dealing with these injuries that's been... Taken up a lot of that bandwidth, and now I'm at a spot where I'm like really wanting to dial in some more goals and and because I've had these ideas floating around for years, and I'm like, all right, I need to make it a more actionable goal and like really break it down and and figure out what it's going to take to get there and make it happen. Okay, nice. How do you? Ha- yeah. So kind of like circling back to make a goal thing.
0: Okay. So we do. You- I know you said Angel's done uh like professional now. Do you have an idea in your future how long you'd like to do that or is it kind of just want to make these goals and achieve them or just take do as long as you can like or in your mind did you have an idea of that at all or no?
1: Um not not really and it's like it's funny cuz I want to do it as long as I can but then at the same time I'm like I don't want to be that crusty old guy that's everyone's like, damn, he's still around. Like he needs to get out of here. So, but hopefully that's in the future. Um, so, Hey, I'd like to do it as long as I can. Cause I think skiing's unique in that way, or especially like big mountain backcountry stuff. Cause there's so many little niches of it where, you know, you can be a lot more like backcountry jump and pillow line oriented graduate through to ski in more lines and then there's like the ski mountaineering aspect that i'm really excited to delve into deeper now where it's like your feet are on the ground a bit more but you can have more objective goals you can still ski super fast and and there's so many little niches like that that you can work through as you get older and like as your body ages um and and with that being said, I I have a lot of goals now as well outside of skiing, um, like in the fitness world, and trying to figure out how to combine a lot of the fitness work I've been doing with the skiing or the outdoor world, and so those are pretty exciting goals too from a more like I guess business perspective and and creating a new business for myself
0: and then as well you were saying about your youtube and stuff and totally i'm sure like documenting all that would be part of that yeah for sure totally yeah
1: so then the youtube that's been i'm pretty excited about that because it's uh a little more fluid and like fast-paced hopefully so um i honestly don't really know what i'm expecting out of it but just gonna put it out there and see what happens i guess yeah why not right yeah
0: if you especially if you have fans and people that follow you already i'm sure everybody wants to just see or get as much uh, content from you as they can so i'm sure it'll do really well yeah hopefully (laughs) um well did you have any uh kind of advice for maybe young athletes or people trying to get in to do the same thing you're trying to do, or even maybe in a different field, but trying to use the same kind of things you were talked about today.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say like the number one thing, and I've heard almost every other athlete that I've worked with say the same thing is that it like, it has to be fun and it has to be, if you want skiing to be your profession, it should be because like, you love it so much Um, because like, once you get into the ski industry and it starts becoming work, it's, it's like actually work and it is a dream job. And we get to do all these awesome things with awesome people in cool places. But like, there is a lot of work aspects to it and you have to be prepared to, to wade through the, you know, there's a lot of emails. You have to build your own personal brand, be personable with brands. Like it's a lot easy. It's going to help you a lot if like brands want to work with you. Um, And, and then above all that, you still have to love skiing or your sport, like more than anything else. And it's pretty easy to get like jaded on one thing or the other, or maybe something doesn't go your way and you want to be pissed off at the industry, but, all of that like really can't matter and um, you have to just like love the sport a lot and that has to be the base and and then yeah moving beyond that I was kind of just touching on it it's like just for an example I'd say living here in Little Cottonwood we had a little crew of skiers Um, it was like me my buddy Samo Leo Aarons there's five or six of us and I honestly thought I was like the least naturally talented skier out of the group. And because we were all sort of like sponsored and going into the pro skiing world. And for some reason or the other, it's like not everyone made it through the gauntlet of the industry. And cause it's like, you got to work with brands, be easy to work with, be nice, manage your social media. Now come up with ways to promote yourself still ski a lot, still love it. So there's like all these moving parts and your talent on skis might not be like the only thing necessary. There's like, there's a lot more involved.
0: Did, when you were growing up, did you have other jobs besides skiing to like supplement that or was it always just skiing?
1: It was, uh I, from when, so like after I did the seven summits, um, that's when I, yeah, started skiing more and there, I worked construction for a bunch of summers, just sort of odd jobs, like nothing official. It was like all under the table, like building decks and fences and stuff like that. Um, and I did that for quite a few years, but I also, I had a unique opportunity cause like my family and I built a house together and And we built it all with cash. So like, I didn't have that many bills, honestly. And that's kind of what helped me out a lot. When I started skiing, it was like, I was making a little bit of money from sponsors. And then in the summers, I was making some from construction. And I just didn't have that many bills. Um, And I would peg that as like a big reason I was able to accomplish as much as i did because i even from the beginning i didn't need to spend endless hours working
0: yeah i know like personally especially if you have a physical job it's so hard to maintain that as well as like get your training in and try and strive for these other things when you might come home from work you're like oh damn i'm just like exhausted today but no I, i know it makes a big difference for sure
1: but right that's where i'm always like so impressed i think people I are like, oh, your recoveries are like super motivating. But for me, I'm like, that's my job. And I have all the time in the world to like dedicate to it. And I'm so impressed with people that have a normal job, a family, etc. cetera. And it's like they get hurt or something. And it's like they got to do that PT on top of all their entire life. So or even just like you're saying, just normal without an injury, like training, doing the sport you love, working full time figuring out life stuff it's like there's a lot to juggle for most people
0: yeah yeah for sure i do think that if you do make it through that it can build like a crazy work capacity kind of like the more you do the more you're able to do type of thing right but yeah it's if you're yeah some people's situations definitely you'd have to be like super dialed in with your goals and everything to make it work if if you're in situation, especially if you have to provide for people and stuff, but Yeah. No. That's uh that's cool, man. You've had a pretty sick story. I'm excited to uh see how it goes. Yeah, thank you. Well um did you want to give people like your social media and stuff or
1: yeah so social media is just uh Instagram is at John Collinson, J O H N and the YouTube channel we're starting, it's called Between the Lines. So supposed to be kind of a like behind the scenes look of the stuff the cool things i get to do as an athlete and then hopefully a bunch of lines will get shredded this winter too that'll be in there hell yeah i'm excited to watch thank you
0: well thanks for joining me today man i really appreciate you taking the time and you've always been a huge inspiration of mine like i said so super cool sitting down with you and hearing the mindset and all that yeah thank you i appreciate it it's nice chatting Hell yeah, man. Well, uh, that is episode five, place to Complacency, Johnny Collinson. Thank you, man. Nice, yeah.
1: episode five.
0: <laughs> Keep her not spat.